last week we introduced a new series that we're going to continue on today that we're calling the Spirit-Filled Series. And we talked about the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to say that with me. Say the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that's what we talked about last week. And uh, we had a, a unique experience last week where we offered the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We had five people come up. Uh, not only that, but we just want the rest of you to stir yourselves up in the Spirit by praying in the Spirit, or we could call it praying in tongues, and, and the majority of everybody was up here. And You know, I mentioned this last week, and I want to make clear that the operation of everything that God promises in His Word, including what we talked about, has absolutely nothing to do with feeling, okay? Everybody say, feeling. All right. Feelings are wonderful. They really are. I mean, they're a good thing, but they can also be a deception. And we can let, if we don't feel anything, sometimes we feel like, well, is anything happening? Is anything going on? And that's a deception. We walk by faith. We believe God's words. We don't walk by feelings. I've been living for God for a long time, walking with God in, in, in and not including the ministry and all the different things. And my feelings and, and how I sense things comes and goes. It changes. It fluctuates. Uh, sometimes I can move and I can see God do amazing things that right through my hands. But I didn't feel a thing. And yet they, somebody got supernaturally healed right in front of me. Or I saw something supernatural happen in them. I didn't feel a thing. I mean nothing. Just dead as a doornail, so to speak. But yet other times, I've had a great amount of feeling. I mean, I felt like my arms were weighted down. There was so much anointing, and it was just just present on me where I could barely stand up. And yet I might lay hands on someone, they felt nothing. <laughs> I mean, absolutely nothing. And so we can't go by that. How many of you know God is with you all the time, whether you feel it or not? right? Why? We have his word on it. He said he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. So we live our life based on the word of God and what God promises, not on our feelings, okay? Very, very important in this subject because last week some of you may have felt something, some of you didn't. That doesn't have anything to do with it. If we believe God's word and we act on it, then we know that God did his part. And so if you came up and you say, Pastor Ken, I just didn't know, I don't really feel anything, um, and, and you asked to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and you did your part, and you believed, and you acted on it, then what happened? You got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Right? Because that's what the Word says. I did my part. I'm not basing it on feeling. And again, I encouraged you to practice what we talked about. We're going to look at it a little bit more today. But I want to, again, set our, our, if you will, foundation on this series. So look with me, if you will, on the screen. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. We looked at this last week. Then Peter said to them, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's talking about receiving Jesus, all right? Being born again and, and, and it links us to something else. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God would call. Is the gift of the Holy Spirit available to everyone, right? Everyone that is born again, that gift is available. It doesn't matter what denomination. It doesn't matter. There's no boundaries in that regard. It is available to everyone. We also talked about how the gift of salvation is one experience And the gift of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit is another experience. Now, sometimes they can happen, boom, boom. In other words, and in one session, so to speak, someone got born again and and then got filled with the Holy Ghost right then. Okay, But they are two separate experiences. And for most people, that's usually the way it goes. They uh, got born again. At one time, maybe even when they were a child, for example. And then later on, they learned more about the Word of God and learned about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to give you two things that Jesus makes this clear. In John 4.14, Jesus said this in John 4.14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water, now notice what he says, the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. In other words, the fountain of everlasting life is the new birth, being born of the Spirit. The fountain of water springing up is an endless source of the life of God in us. And that's what he gave us. He gave us eternal life. The life of God, all for forever, 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 right? There's no time limit on it. Um, you're born again forever. Everybody say forever, all right? You never need to get born again again. Amen, isn't that good? Jesus, listen to me, Jesus paid the price once and for all, the Bible says. And so it's sealed, it's done. Now, if you notice carefully there, John four fourteen, Jesus is talking about being born of the Spirit, all right. Then he makes it clear in John 7, talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. In John 7, verses 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, notice what he said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, is there a difference between a spring coming up and rivers of flowing water? How many would agree there's a difference? There's a vast difference, okay? Huge difference. This rivers of living water, and you'll notice he said in verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. In other words, they're born again. They've been born of the Spirit, and now they have the opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or these rivers of flowing water. How do we know he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit? Because he says here that this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So in other words, he was talking about the future. We're just making it clear. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's an outflow of life coming from the child of God to others. See, when you're born again, the life of God is in you. You're connected to God as close as you're going to be ever connected to him. And that life will change and transform your life. But how many of you know life is more than just about you, right? 
The baptism in the Holy Spirit will impact you, but the main part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is your ability to impact the life of others. It's a river going outwards towards others. Amen? And so we're going to make that a little bit clearer today. Acts 1.8, we looked at that last week. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus was saying that I want you guys, this is uh, before he left. He said, I want you guys to wait in Jerusalem. Now, why did he tell the disciples who were born again at this time to wait in Jerusalem? He told them to wait for the endowment of power. In other words, for the helper, the Holy Spirit to come, whom they would be infilled with, would do what? Equip them, empower them to be able to do what God called them to do. So in other words, there's an equipping. There's something necessary in our lives to help us be the person that God called us to be, to be able to do that outward towards others. He told these guys to wait. Now, the Holy Ghost, we know in Acts 1-8, showed up. And again, he says, uh, I mean, Acts chapter 2, I apologize. And in Acts 1, he was talking about what was going to happen. And he said, power. Everybody say power. Now, that word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. And it means great might, uh, great strength, power. I mean, we're talking about dynamite power. We're talking about Holy Ghost power. How many believe the Holy Ghost is powerful? Who created all things? Who is everywhere at one time? Think about it. The Bible says we can't even go to hell and get away from His presence. He is everywhere. He is all. He knows all. And so that power now infills the believer. So we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are endued with power, the Bible says, from on high. Why? So we're able to be the witnesses that God called us to be. In other words, the first thing that God told them to do, or the Great Commission, is what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? And he lines some things out. You can read this in Mark chapter 15. He lines these things out. But he told them to wait for the power to do what he called them to do. Well, guess what? We don't have to wait anymore. Amen. All we have to do is receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we have Jesus in our heart, if we're born again, and now we are endued with that power, something transformed in us, something is upon us to help us do what God called us to do. I really do believe that a lot of Christians have missed out on this because maybe their denomination said, you know what, we don't understand that, so we're skipping it. (laughs) We're just going to jump right over this Holy Ghost stuff. I mean, they believe in the Holy Spirit, don't get me wrong, but they don't believe necessarily in the gifts of the Spirit or the infilling of the Spirit. And so because they don't understand that, they just skip over it. And that was a great loss to those people. That was a great, great loss because that is part of the equipping. How many know God doesn't leave us alone? In other words, He didn't just throw us and leave us into the world and say, well, I'll see you on the other side. No, He left you here for a reason. He has a call and a plan for you and you and you and you. And you say, well, I'm, I'm this age or I'm you know, too young or I'm too old. You guys can come up with a thousand and one excuses, but the reality is you are called and you will give an account of your life before the Lord Jesus Christ. And your call is not going to be based on whether you did good or bad. 
It will be based upon his plan for your life and how close did you get to it. In other words, did you do what he wanted you to do ultimately? He has a plan for your life. Say it with me. The Lord has a plan for my life. You need to understand, he has a plan for your life. I don't care necessarily what you've been raised or how you've been taught to think. I'm sorry, but they were wrong if they told you otherwise. God has a plan, a purpose for your life. You weren't just left here by mistake. He's got people he wants you to reach, and you're the only one that can do it. Praise God for that. Now, what have we learned so far? Just to kind of do a quick review, we've learned that being filled with the Holy Spirit is an experience following salvation. We learned that the qualification for being filled with the Spirit is being born again or born of the Spirit. Thirdly, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a free gift to all believers. Fourthly, we don't have to wait for it. Amen? We don't have to tarry for it. All we have to do is receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What happens when we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, we looked in the book of Acts, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to get last week's CD. We give them away free. We also put it on the web. That we looked over and over in the book of Acts, and we saw over and over and over that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened afterwards? They began to speak in other tongues. In other words, the evidence of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit is the evidence is that they can pray in tongues, or we could call it speak in tongues or pray in the Spirit. We also learned that the Holy Spirit is not tongues, and tongues is not the Holy Spirit. In other words, tongues is simply a supernatural language that the Spirit of God gives the believer or speaks through the believer, but the believer still needs to move their tongue. They still have to yield their body. God does not take over or possess someone. Okay, there, That's another reason why sometimes people are afraid of these things when you start talking about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because they think, well, does that mean I'm just possessed by some spirit that will just take over? No. Can I ask you guys a question? Are you guys ready? Because I'm going to throw one at you. All right, you ready? Has God ever made you do anything? In fact, sometimes you wish you would have, right? <laughs> he said, I wish you would have pushed me a little harder, Lord. I mean, but see, God never made you do anything. The Spirit of God is a gentleman. Not like gentleman's club. I mean, that's, that's, that's a messed up name right there. There ain't no gentleman in a gentleman's club. Am I right? I don't know why I said that. But anyway, we rode by one the other day and said gentleman's club. There ain't no gentleman in that gentleman's club. I trust me. But the fact is, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, meaning he doesn't force He opens the door and he woos you. He draws you in. But you have to make a choice. How many of you have felt the Lord leading you in a direction, but you didn't do it? And then you regretted not doing it, right? He tried. He did his best to draw you. But maybe your flesh or your thinking got the best of you and you analyzed, no, that can't be the right way or that's not really what I want. I want that. And so you went that way and you messed up. Well, the Holy Spirit is there to what? What what is the Holy Spirit called? The helper, right? Everybody say helper. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to send you another helper. So the Holy Spirit is to help us in life. And we need help. How many would agree? I need lots of help. 
I need help all the time. I mean, I, I get drastic about help from the Lord. See, I want to let God in on my life. And one way to do that, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs that if we will acknowledge Him in all our ways, our life, just the things that we do, that He would direct us in our past. What does that mean? That means I'm going to go to Father, I'm going to go to Jesus, my Lord, and say, I would like to do this, is that okay? Now, I'm not talking about what clothes I should wear that day, okay? I'm talking about the bigger things in life. In other words, decisions I'm going to make. How many would agree buying a home is a big decision? Man, that's something you need to get the Lord involved in. You know, that's something you need to get some help on, right? I mean, or buying a car or changing jobs or moving. These are big decisions. I need some help in. Well, I do it with even vacations. If I'm going to take a vacation and I'm going to get in an airplane that's way up there, I want to get God involved. And so what I'll do is I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, I'm thinking about taking a vacation this time slot and going to this place. Is that okay? Can you believe I, I, I actually asked him if that's okay? Daddy, is that okay? Now, does he know things I don't know? Does he know exactly what is going to happen wherever I'm thinking about going or how I'm thinking about getting there between that time and that time? How many believe he knows everything? He knows everything. So could I avoid some problems if I get him involved? For example, if the Lord told me, uh, no, that would not be a good time. Should I listen to him? I think so. In other words, why? He's looking out for my best interest. That my, I, I, that my trip could be, doesn't mean I'll die, but it could be a disaster. You know, you get there, you get in your room, you unpack everything. Oh, dear God, there's bed bugs. You know, then you go to rent your car and they don't have anything. And then you go to go ahead and do the thing and find out it's the busiest time of the year and you can't get in. Now, how many know that vacation would stink? Rain the entire time. That vacation would stink. But see, if I get him involved and I ask for some direction, some of you guys are laughing pretty good at that because you've experienced that, haven't you? Yeah. And so if you get him involved, get the helper involved, then he can help direct you. You know, and one of the things I included, because we are talking about this, Lisa and I were just praying about yesterday, and flying is, Lord, what do you think about that? I just want to give you that opportunity in my life to speak to me. You know, he wants to help me. Praise God for that. Amen. Aren't you grateful for that? That the helper, the Holy Spirit, is available to help us. Well, when we look at these things that we're going to look at today real quickly, you're going to see so many benefits, so many wonderful things. And, and we're only going to scratch the surface, don't get me wrong, uh, of what the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, will do in your life. So we're going to talk a little bit about this what's the purpose of tongues in other words why tongues what, what why are we what is the benefit to this in my life and you'll find out there are many many good things you know it's interesting that if you were to go in your bibles if you want to write this down to first corinthians chapter 14 you will find an entire chapter in the bible dedicated to the subject of prayer in regards to praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. No other chapter that I know of in the Bible has a dedicated area in an entire chapter dedicated to any subject that I'm aware of that's very specific like that. 
I mean, none. Not even a tithing. Not, not any particular subject that I can think of has an entire chapter. So what does that tell you? Well, God doesn't do random in the Word of God. He has a purpose and a plan. So what does that say? It must be important to God. And if it's important to God, it should be important to us. Right? How many would agree? If it's important to the Lord, it ought to really, it ought to flag something and say, that must be important to me then. It must help me. So let's start looking at what happens when we pray in the Spirit. What's going on? So I encourage you to look at the screen, take notes if you want. 1 Corinthians 14.2. 1 Corinthians 14.2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. If we go to verse 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So go back to 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Uh, first one, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So what is that telling us? That we are speaking directly to God when we speak in tongues, not to men. And the Bible says here, for no one understands him. Now, if I start praying in tongues, does anybody have a clue what I just said? The Bible says that no man understands or no one understands him. Why? He's speaking directly to God. So when we speak in tongues, it's a supernatural language that the Holy Spirit forms that is a direct communication to God. It's like I got my private cell network to the Lord. All right? No one understands him. Everybody say no one. That includes the enemy. That includes the devil. That includes angelic forces. That includes anyone. So who's the only one who understands me? God. Right? That's it. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, we're in on this thing when I'm speaking in tongues. That is very important for you to understand. No man understands it. Okay, It is a direct connection to the Lord. And it also says that in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. Now, it's a mystery to me. <laughs> I don't know exactly what I, I said. Another way of saying mysteries is secrets. Everybody say secrets. How many of you guys like secrets? I got some really juicy things on Larry. He likes chicken. <laughs> Not much of a secret if you're around here. Anyway, but my point is, is that the mysteries are secrets or hidden truths. Okay, We're speaking something supernaturally special when we talk in tongues or we pray in tongues. And it is directly to God. Everybody say it with me. It's directly to the Lord. All right. No one understands. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. All right. What does that mean? That means it's a supernatural language where the Holy Spirit is in my spirit forming this language. I yield my tongue and those words come out. And my mind doesn't understand it. 
Now, if my mind understood it, then wouldn't I know what I'm praying? We all agree there. But your mind doesn't understand it. Why? It has nothing to do with your mind. Now, this brings me to something very important. All right, The Bible makes it very clear that man is a spirit being made in the image of God. He possesses a soul, which is made up of his mind, will, and emotions, and he lives in a body. Okay, So this is my earth suit, my body. Inside this body is my spirit man that probably looks very similar to my physical form. The reason I know that is because remember when Abraham, I mean the rich man and Lazarus died, remember that? And that story? And they could recognize one another. Well, obviously they weren't in their physical bodies and if they can recognize one another, that tells us our spirit must look very similar to our natural body. Minus all the imperfections and problems and challenges. But the fact is this. You are, say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Now, why do you have to have a body? Well, just like an astronaut can't live in space in his physical body, what does he got to do? He has to put on a suit, right? To protect him from that environment. Your spirit is not allowed to be on planet Earth without a body. It has to have a body, all right? So in this physical earth, if you blow a hole through one of us, <laughs> what happens? Your spirit leaves, right? To be absent from the body, the Bible says, Paul says, is to be present with the Lord. Meaning that you can't live on this earth without this physical body. That's why your spirit leaves and goes to heaven or another place. And so... The fact is, we are a spirit. Where does the Holy Ghost live if we're born again and filled with the Spirit? In our spirit, okay? The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. It mentions your body, but in reality, your spirit is housed in your body, and that's where the Holy Spirit is, okay? The Holy Spirit is not in your physical body, all right? He's in your spirit in your physical body. And so, when you pray in the Spirit, what part of you is praying? Your spirit only, not your mind. We're going to do something real fast here, okay? I want everybody, we're going to practice praying in the Spirit for just a second. Ready? On three, you follow me, and I don't want to hear... All right, I want to hear you. All right, make sure we're all doing it. You ready? On three, ready? One, two, three. Kola mamanda reshide de baboto shilala bababoto kuya. There, good. You're doing it. All right. Now, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you some math questions while you're praying in the spirit. You ready? So, on three, you guys pray. Ready? One, two, three. Go. All right. Ready? You do the math in your head, and then you tell me the answer. All right. Three plus three plus three minus one. All right, stop. Somebody tell me the answer because I didn't even pay attention. Eight. How did you know that? Weren't you busy using your head while you were praying? No. Because your head was oblivious to everything that was going on. That's why your brain was available to think. You know, your brain or your mind has nothing to do with your spirit. And so you can pray in the spirit, 
mindlessly, so to speak. <laughs> you know, you can pretty much be brainless and pray in the Spirit. All right? Meaning you can be doing other things, other activities. You could be thinking, reading a book, and still pray in the Spirit. You know? In fact, I have a, a, a friend, I don't do this as often, um, but he often reads his Bible praying in the Spirit. I usually read the Bible <laughs> out loud. That keeps me on track. Okay, that's the way I read the Bible. But he literally prays in the Spirit while he's reading his Bible. He just stirs himself up. Well, if you practice enough, you'll find out you can because praying in the Spirit is out of your spirit. It's not out of your mind. That is a very, very valuable resource we will come to show you in just a minute. But let's look at something else that happens we pray in the Spirit. Write it down, 1 Corinthians 14.4, if you want to write it down. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. All right, In Jude verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So what these two scriptures are telling us is that when we pray in the Spirit, we edify ourselves. And in Jude verse 20, it says that we build ourselves up. Another word for edify or build up is charge up, is a better word, energize. Much like you take a low battery, for example, and what do you do? You charge up that battery so it has a full charge, so that battery is energized to do what it needs to do. When you pray in the Spirit, what happens to you, your spirit, gets supernaturally charged. It's like, it's, it's like you've connected your spirit to the Holy Ghost, so to speak, and you're going to get a boost. All right? It's going to help you. It's, gonna, it's not going to give you more faith. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the Word. But it will help your faith work better. Okay, it will improve things in your life. In other words, you'll find out you're charged up. If you, if I've done this, praying in the spirit will actually impact my body if I stay there and pray a while. If I'll stay there and I feel really tired and down, and I'm I'm, I'm just like man, and I got to speak <laughs> in just a little bit, or I got I'm in a position where I have to be sharp. Then what I'll do is I'll just start praying in the spirit, usually pretty aggressively. And what I mean is I'll really get to town. And what will happen is all of a sudden I'll notice my spirit's charged up, and it impacts my physical body. I'm more alert. I'm sharper. I'm ready to go. It can. I mean. There are so many benefits to praying in the Spirit. Brother Hagen Sr., who's gone on to be with the Lord, he ran into my old pastor who wasn't pastoring at the time. He was going to Rhema Bible School, and he was walking through the hallways, and he knew him, and he, he you know, said, what's going on, Brother Jerry? And they had a little bit of a conversation, and my uh, friend was just looking out the window, thinking about some of the things in life, you know, and, and he said, I want to give you some advice. And he said, if you will pray in tongues a lot, in other words, a lot. Everybody say a lot. That doesn't mean uh, maybe five minutes on Sunday morning. Okay, That means a lot. That means throughout the day, just while you're doing other things, just while you're driving, you, you, you just pray in the Spirit a lot. He said it will make you attractive and actually draw the right things to you. It'll supernaturally charge you up where when there's someone, for example, with a problem, they're drawn to you and you'll have the answer. 
just various things or needs in your life, whatever that is, thing will be drawn to you. It's a powerful thing that goes on. Paul told us in the Word of God that he prayed in tongues. He was talking to the church at Corinth, okay, the whole church, all right? And he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. All of them put together. Now think about that. And Corinthians was a pretty good-sized community in church. And I mean, they, got, they had some things going. And he said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Put together, what does that say? Paul did a lot of praying in tongues. Now, did Paul do some pretty remarkable things? I mean, God used him to write over two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you think his praying in tongues had something to do with that? Do you remember what happened to Peter after he got filled with the Holy Ghost? If you read in Acts chapter 2 when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, remember, how was Peter feeling, remember, right before Jesus died? Anybody remember that? Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And the last time, he cussed out someone denying Jesus. I mean, I'm sure he was thinking suicide. I'm sure he was thinking, I, I can't take it. All that Jesus did for me, and look what I did. Backstabbed him and so on. The first person that Jesus looked for after the resurrection, you know that was? Peter. <laughs> Peter. And Peter needed some encouragement. <laughs> he needed some help. And Peter, of course, received Jesus after the resurrection, and they waited, but something supernatural. Peter was always stumbling. Remember? He was the guy who cut off the guy's ear in the garden. He was always putting his mouth in his foot, or his foot in his mouth, whatever works, you know. And it was, he was always getting himself in trouble. And but boy, did he change after getting filled with the Holy Ghost. You read the Word of God, and all of a sudden, he was the man in charge. And God was using him in a mighty, mighty way. The Bible says there was so much power flowing out from him that people would lay their sick in the streets, hoping the shadow of Peter might go over them, and they would get healed. That's how much power. I mean, man, something changed. And he was a powerhouse for God. You don't see all that stumbling afterwards. The infilling of the Holy Ghost changed Peter. It had really made a difference. How many believe Jesus was successful? How many agree? Most successful of all time. Guess what? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's how he started his ministry. I'm telling you, I mean, this is something that we need in our life. Praise God. Now, let's look at, real quickly, another area. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 46 says, For they heard them speak with tongues, and magnify God. Everybody say magnify God. So what are we talking about? We're talking about right praise, aren't we? We're talking about glorifying God. Now, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. In Acts 2.11, it says, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, let me explain what was happening here. Remember when um, they were all in the upper room, remember? And the Holy Ghost came in, and that the tongues of fire were there, and they all began to speak with other tongues as they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, right at that time, this was the day of Pentecost, and all these other different groups were coming in from different areas into Jerusalem. And they were so loud in the upper room where they were praying in tongues and speaking and magnifying God, all these people heard them. Now, remember, when we pray in tongues... Who are we talking to? So can they understand what I'm saying? No. 
right? The Bible made it very clear that when you speak in tongues, you're not speaking some foreign language, guys. You're speaking a supernatural language, not of this earth, okay? Everybody got me on that. It is a supernatural language only God can understand. Well, the Bible says that these groups heard them talking in their own native language and magnifying God, even though the Bible makes it clear they were speaking in tongues. This is what the Lord did just to help you, and it's an amazing thing. One of the gifts, okay, out of the nine gifts of the Spirit, okay, you can read in 1 Corinthians 12 if you want to write that down. One of the gifts is the interpretation of tongues, okay? The interpretation of tongues. What is an interpretation? Anybody tell me? Exactly. So if, if Trish goes off in Spanish and Barbara understands Spanish, what could Barbara do for us? She can interpret what? Trish said in Spanish, right? It's not a translation, it's an interpretation. It's what they said. If I were, I've preached in foreign countries with an interpreter, and the interpreter is doing his best to interpret what I'm saying into that language, all right? So the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, can take the tongue that we spoke to God and somehow supernaturally allow us, if you will, to tap into it for a moment, just for a moment, all right? That's the interpretation of tongues. And so all these crowds of people who heard them speaking in tongues, the Holy Ghost is working on the entire crowd at one time, each individual giving them the gift of the interpretation of tongues so that they could understand what they were saying. That's why they said, we hear them speaking in our own languages. And, and, and praising God, magnifying God. But what that gives us a hint is to what is it we're doing when we're speaking in tongues or, or we're praising God in tongues. We are actually praising God, magnifying God. Have you ever ran out of words praising God? I can only say, I love you, I worship you, I honor you so much. And I feel like I'm running out. I have nothing else to say. My, my English vocabulary is limited. I don't know what else to say. But in tongues, I am not limited. See, the Holy Ghost is not limited. And so I, can, I could go off and say, Father, I love you, I worship you, I praise you. And then I could go to a whole nother higher level. I could even sing in the spirit. What am I doing? I am worshiping God in a supernatural language without limits. Without limits. How many would agree that we're pea brains? If you don't think you're a pea brain, just explain to me how God always was, is, and will be, and then I'll think you're a genius. You can't explain that to me, can you? In fact, when you start to think about it, till, 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 I just can't get it. There's things I just can't understand. I don't understand them. But guess what? I don't need to understand them. All I have to do is believe and act on it. I don't need to understand everything. But my spirit, I want you to say this with me. Say, my spirit is limitless is limitless it's, it's limitless there's no limit to what we can do think about how far you could go and praise if you could get past the limitations of your mind you can 
I could sit there for an hour and just go on and on. And I'm telling you what, you, you stay there for a while praising God. And if you don't feel anything, you will eventually. I mean, it will just start transforming you and you just, you just keep on growing to another level. So I'm going to give you one more thing and then we're going to end. You ready? I'm going to give you praying without limits too. How many like that idea? I mean, have you ever prayed or wanted to pray but didn't know how to pray? Anybody been there? Just limited. I, I, I know that there's a need, but I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. Or have you ever had to make a decision in your life and not know what to do? And, you know, you want to ask other people, but you're just not agreeing with everything they're saying. It's just, no, that isn't it. And I, I, I want to get an answer. I need to know. I need to know what direction. I need to know how to pray. I need to know what to do. Well, look again with me. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, remember when I said there's a big benefit to this? If I needed prayer for something, could I be biased in how I approached it? What I mean is, have you ever tried to help poor old God out in your prayers by telling Him what to do? Lord, I would like, and you give Him a line upon line. You know, here Lord, here's some bullet points. <laughs> and I would like you to do this number one, this number two, this number three, this number four. And now, you might not be that literal in, in the way I'm just kind of being silly here, but you've been pretty much told God, this is how to do this thing. And say, that's what I want you to do. And if you say, well, I just prayed and asked him to do something. Oops. You mean you told God what to do. <laughs> Are you guys getting me? Is there a difference between me saying, Lord, I would like a 70-inch uh, uh, highest grade OLED TV with the latest and greatest from Samsung. Thank you, Father. I appreciate it in Jesus' name. Is there a difference between me praying that and saying, Lord, over at Best Buy, they have this TV, and I would love it if I walked in and you would give me supernatural favor and they would give me a cut on it, and also if you could add some increase to my salary, just a little bit, and that would make the difference and maybe, maybe a really good interest rate. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate it. Is there a difference between... Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference. One, I told God how to do it. And the other one, I just asked Him. You see the difference? One, I just trusted Him. I'm not telling Him how to be God. Can God bless me with that TV any way He pleases? Right? But I could limit Him if I let my mind get away and try to figure out a way to get it. Do you see the difference there? When you pray, sometimes you are biased about something. And so you're slanted in the way you're praying, and you're really kind of leaning it, you know. Uh, you might even be praying for someone that maybe um, you're praying for them, but you really don't want to be because they've really been a dirty, blankety-blank in your life. And, and, you know, so you're maybe a little biased in the way you approach it. But see, when we pray in the Spirit, what did the Bible say? My spirit prays, but what? My understanding is unfruitful. Meaning my mind doesn't get in the way. My mind is biased. My mind has a certain formula. But see, 
when I pray in the Spirit, my spirit doesn't have that problem of the Holy Ghost in me. My spirit wants to do the right thing all the time. My spirit just wants to please God. Right? You guys see in the, the thing here, you, you'll watch what I'm saying. Because did you ever need to know how to pray? What to pray? Well, see, if we get our mind out of the way and let the Holy Ghost do the job, can He do a better job than we can? Right? Let me show you this, because this is amazing. This has totally transformed my life and the way I pray and the way I approach things. And I'm letting God be God in my life and not me try to dictate everything. Look with me on the screen. We're going to look at the Amplified, Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 26 through 28. So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid. Is He our helper? So He comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses. Now stop right there. What's our weakness? What's our challenge? Well, the Bible tells us, for we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. That's our weakness. We don't always know what to pray or how to approach it. All right, But the Holy Ghost is there to help us. But the Spirit Himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. So in other words, what is he doing? We're praying in the Spirit, right? And the Holy Ghost is taking over. And I'm letting the Holy Ghost take over. He knows exactly what to do, you're going to find out. Verse 27, And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit what His intent is. Now look what it says. Because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. What is this telling us so far? I want you to pay attention closely. It's saying the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and when we pray in the Holy Spirit, He prays the perfect. Everybody say perfect. Is that a strong word? That's a strong word. Perfect will of God according to whatever we're praying about. The, on our behalf. How many know the Holy Ghost knows everything? Right? So he is praying to God the perfect will concerning that situation. Let's keep on reading in verse 28. Because we've done that, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor. Is God our partner? He's our partner, right? In the work. All things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to His design and purpose. What is this saying? That if we have a situation or problem and we don't know what to do, we don't know how to approach it, I don't even know where to begin. And my mind is all over the place. And I say, Father, I know You know what to do. And so I am right now going to pray in the Spirit and let the Holy Ghost pray through me concerning whatever that problem or challenge is in Jesus' name. And I know that you'll pray the perfect plan and will of God. Your plans, your purposes, and all things are going to work together for good to those who love the Lord because I've done this. See, many people, you've heard that scripture, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And you might have heard that, but they didn't tell you about the praying in the Holy Ghost part. You've got to do your part, and then what? God does His part. 
right? All things are going to be okay. It is going to come together. Why? Because I prayed the perfect will of God. Does God have a will for us? Does He have a plan? Does He want good things for us? Does He want our needs met? Does He want your marriages fixed? Does He want your relationship with your children where it should be? Does He want them serving God? Does He want you to pay all your bills on time? Does He want you to walk in health? Does He want you to walk in all the things that He has for you? Yes. And He sent the Helper to help us. And the way He helps us, one of the ways, is that when we pray in the Spirit over a situation, we're praying without limits, without our mind getting involved. And then I approach it this way. Simple. Jesus told us that whatever things... Listen, I really want you to hear this. Say, I'm listening, Pastor. Jesus told us in Mark eleven twenty four what? Whatsoever things you desire... When you pray, believe that you receive them, and what did he say? And you will have them. So when I pray in the Spirit over a situation, oh gosh, guys, try pastoring a church. How many times do you really think I know what to do? I mean, <laughs> I'm dealing with people. And if you've ever dealt with people, people can be messy. you got family. You know, just multiply that. I mean, and, and there's all kinds of situations and difficulties that I run across. I don't always know what to do, but what I do know to do is I can lift up that family. I can lift up that situation in the name of Jesus and pray in the Spirit over it and believe I receive the answer in Jesus' name. I got it. Whatever that situation is, it's resolved. It's taken care of. I got it. Father, I thank you. And I can just cast all my care upon the Lord and go about my life. Amen. And be free. That's a good thing, is it not? I'm telling you guys, it is a wonderful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Because you realize that God, with the Holy Spirit's help, you can fix everything in your life. How many got issues in your life? Be honest. You got issues. You're an issue. I'm an issue. I mean, we got issues. There's challenges. There's difficulties. But with the Helper's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, we can overcome those things. We can change those things. When I learned this, that is when my life began to really take a turn. And I began to see victory, 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 victory in every single thing I faced. Why? Because I didn't do it on my own anymore. I was, I'm not a very good God. How about you? I'm a terrible God. I mean, I, I, I don't run my life very well. I need help. You know, just like you need help. And so the helper, the Holy Spirit is there for us. Amen.